0: Alright, welcome to Self-Pay Stream, where we talk about finance, behavior, and the future of self-pay.
1: Healthcare costs are rising, and patients' responsibility for healthcare is increasing.
0: Self-pay is on the rise, and healthcare is trying to figure out what to do with it, and so that's why we're here talking about this today. Alright, my name is Jeff Johnson. I'm Hayden Reese,
1: And I'm Lisa Kirk.
0: We're very excited to be with you today. Our topic that we discussed last time was the word nudge, or nudges. As I think of the word nudges, though, I went ahead and looked up the definition. So just so everyone knows, it's a prod, to prod gently, that's the verb, typically with an elbow, by the way, in order to draw attention, or the noun is a light touch or a push. So Hayden, from a behavioralist perspective, how are people interpreting a nudge today?
2: I have a little bit different
0: definition
2: than Webster's dictionary might have
0: <laughs> like
2: prodding and and elbowing in the side that seems a little aggressive um, you know in behavioral science we look at nudges as a process or a change in the way that people people choose and that is to benefit the decision-maker okay there can be there can be two types there can be a signal or there can be a change in choice architecture. A symbol could be a picture, or a signal could be a picture or a symbol, and a change in choice architecture could
0: be something like opt-ins versus opt-outs. Okay, so I see a stop sign. I know to stop. That's a symbol. Oh right. yeah, that's that's okay. the perfect, I'm simplest, stop. got it. example of a nudge. A very common in this yes. case, right? Yes. All right, and uh, we're going to talk about how those impact people to actually do something, but specifically in regards to making a payment. Right, making a
2: payment. Side. Financial decision-making and nudges, they're, they're going to be working really well together. So we've seen nudges in a multitude of areas, and we don't even know it. Amazon has, ha- has hired over 300 behavioral scientists in the last several years. That's to a lot n- of nudges. Mark. To nudge people? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think the very first nudge was actually the uh, buy now. Buy now with one click.
1: Oh, Really? The
2: one click was the very first nudge. Okay. Because they made, it easy. W- they made it easier. It was yeah. it was a change in choice ar- architecture to
0: make a decision easier for for the decision maker. It, and it's so funny that you say that because I will see a product advertised elsewhere and I will actually run to Amazon now because I know I just have to click one time to buy it. And I don't want to put in all my data elsewhere and do all of that yes, stuff elsewhere. Uh, but
1: you know, when I see a, a something that I want on Amazon. I never one click. I never one click to buy. You always I, put it I'm in like a basket. slow. I have to I've think about it. How much do I want that? You're a one clicker, aren't you? Joking? I'm a total one clicker <laughs> because
0: I know I can also a uh, one returner right. if I want. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a really good point. And I mean, you know,
2: Amazon is has done that and I think that's what that's what healthcare can learn is not only that, you know, these big companies obviously are ahead in machine learning and artificial intelligence and we're seeing it's not not a lack of not a lack of technology adoption, but a definitely slower process in technology adoption, and I think behavioral science is going to be the same way. We're going to see that uh, behavioral science is going to be adapted a little bit more in healthcare.
1: Should we talk about our big story? Let's do. It. All right. So. All over the news, we, we started with what, 20 candidates on the Democratic side for president. And uh, there's some clear winners, um, not winners, but <laughs> top of the pack uh, uh, front-runners candidates, front runners. Right? Um, and right now they're starting to release their proposed health care legislation and what they would do. Uh, one of the big ones is Biden's plan. He came out and he actually um, is saying that he is that Obamacare is good, but he knows that there are some areas where it maybe fell short. Um, so he did reject Medicare for all. He doesn't think that that's going to work. Um,
0: how are we going
1: to pay for it, right? That's the main thing.
0: Well, to add, Lisa, on to what you were saying, there's the new House bill that hit um, 2037 in Oregon, which is basically allowing health care to be almost free for everyone who's out there. And it's very interesting because I don't know, talking about how they're gonna pay for it, who's gonna cover that cost if 600% of the poverty level, if you hit that and you still have the ability to get free healthcare, how is that sustainable? You know, I I don't know. And I think just talking about nudges, as you're Mm -hmm. talking about the behavior that they're putting out there, they could be nudging people in the wrong direction too. That's my Mm -hmm. personal opinion and suddenly we have people who figured out how to get everything for free because that's what we do as human beings, we will migrate towards the free and then suddenly no one's paying for anything Mm -hmm. expecting everything for free and at one point Someone has to put money into the coffer so that people can actually afford it.
1: Or we have to change the way that we utilize healthcare. And okay. right now Americans are not willing to change the way that they utilize healthcare. They want it now and they want every bit of health care they can possibly have. So what are those behaviors that need to change so we aren't needing to use healthcare okay. quite so much?
2: So we're talking about, you know, patients, consumers potentially having free healthcare up to a certain extent. And I honestly think that could be a good thing for the economy. Uh, a lot of times people have wanna, and not only that for just consumers' financial health in general, um, what we see a lot of is people that get a disease that they're not, they're, they're not planned for. They haven't been putting money into their savings every month. So that they can pay for their treatment that they're having three months down the road, that they don't know that they have a certain type of disease. So I think at the at the source of at the source of like patients' problems with paying in healthcare is that it's because it's an unplanned expense. It's not something that they've been um, wanting to buy a house or they've been putting money into someone's into a, a child's college fund. So um, so from that point uh, point of view, I think you know. It, we deserve. We we really should be uh, empathetic and understanding how consumers, how patients make decisions. Really making sure we exhaust all the avenues to to see how it's going to affect the whole versus just looking into. Okay, so somebody's got to pay for this, and at the end of the day, I think patients will will be happier, and and that we will see other other sources of income go into healthcare um especially if if we can get lower cost using machine learning ai um, telehealth is going to be another big piece so uh, that's where and a lot of times we we have this bias towards towards giving providing consumers and patients with a higher cost than the lower cost alternative so i think that could be playing into to some of the stigma around patients not paying or patients' uh, feelings about not paying. Since that bill is passed, I'm sure it will force healthcare to really drive down their costs and look at alternatives and really becoming more progressive. And, yeah, well, see,
0: I, and I kind of see it as opposite because I think healthcare is just going to compensate by raising the rates mm-hmm. to make up for the fact that now they have the higher tax and now they're not going to be able to go after the self pay that's out there because being written off. I don't know. It, it's great.
1: What I think is more interesting is what what you were talking about, Jeff, is I think people will be nudged into different care models. So where I would mm-hmm. have gone mm-hmm. to the ER before, now I'm going to go to urgent care or Zoom care or, you know, Walmart or... Or Mexico. We may not need to go to the hospital as much. Um, and hopefully we are changing behaviors mm-hmm. in our lifestyles mm-hmm. so that we can... You know,
2: so a, a great example in. of a nudge, I have seen. Have you seen the billboards up? I don't remember exactly what health system it's for, but they're showing the difference in severity of illness, of whether you should go to the ER yes, or urgent care. Yes, I did see care. that. That
1: was like in Florida or so, somewhere. Yeah, I, yeah
2: and I, I've seen them driving oh. up and down uh, I-5. So one of them is... Uh, stung by a bee go to urgent care or go to the doctor stung okay. by a beehive, go to the ER <laughs> so um, that's I think you know that's that's another another piece of, of a nudge another example of a nudge that we can really start to and what you're talking about right now is that alternative care and cheaper care not mm-hmm. going to the ER when, right. you, when you don't necessarily yeah. need to so.
1: So, Hayden, you have done some studies and, and uh, found some ways that, that we can implement these nudges in financial decision-making. You want to share some of that?
2: So, yeah, Lisa, at Professional Credit, we uh, have a call center in which we're uh, calling people about their, about their medical bills. And so, one of the things we really first identified is we have to first identify what behavior is occurring. What is a consistent pattern of behavior? We hear a lot of people yeah. that that use the same. If you get a call about and you say, "Oh, well, you know, two thousand dollars, I can't pay that much." Well, how much can you pay today? Um, you know what? The the number one response that I found was,
0: "I'm interested in learning. What is it? What, I can't what did pay. people say?" What's the least I can pay? Mm -hmm. Well, I would say that, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. What is the least I can pay today? What's the lowest amount, right? Yeah, what's the lowest amount? And So So,
1: do you know why people always default to the lowest? Did we have any study on on why they didn't want to resolve it? Because I think if they had an account that they owed, they'd want to get it taken care of mm -hmm. so that professional credit stopped calling
2: them. It's really about... What I think it's about is timing and planning. And what in behavioral science is called the immediate decision environment. And so a Mm -hmm. lot of these people were getting calls during their workday, in their car. They just want to get it off their mind. Mm -hmm. They don't want to go through a decision making process. They don't want to go through a planning process. Not only that, but just the stigma around collections Mm -hmm. um, really, you know, will get people emotional. So uh, one of the big pieces that we used in our research was, uh, Rich, uh, or Daniel Kahneman, System One and System Two. So System One is this, is this fast, very automatic side side of our of our brains and decision making, where you know you know what you're going to do when you get up in the morning. You're going to go brush your teeth. Um, you kind of get in that automatic mode when you're driving your car on the way to work. But when you sit down to look at your bills on a sunday or a monday night then that's when the system two um, really locks in and says well we've got to figure this out we've got to do some calculations that that's the more very conscious effortful side of our brain so what we realize is that hey we can really leverage system one and system two and and really get move people back into system two well how are we going to do that we have to be very specific with the questions that we're asking and so instead of saying how much can you pay today? Where people were saying, What's the least I can pay? We started asking, How many months do you think you could pay this in? Interesting. So instead of, instead of being you know, locked into that number, the dollar amount, all of a sudden there is a time amount. So this is where we get into intertemporal choice. These are some models that define ways in which people make decisions about what and how much to do at various points in time. Uh, when one choice at a time can influence what you have available to you in the future. So if I ask you how much you can pay today, I might not necessarily know how much money I'm going to have next week um, based on if I go out to eat a lot or I don't. So I'm going to say, what's the least amount I can pay? You know, 25, 30 bucks, then I'm good. Uh, But once we change the question and made that that time point for months down the road, whenever people are thinking, "Well, well, actually, how much can I pay this? Um, It was a really good example, actually, of of a call that I got to listen to where, uh, you know, it seemed like this person had had a a habit already of talking to a few different people on the phone and asking, what's the least I can pay? And um, so what happened when the agent asked them, well, what, how many months could you pay this off in?" He started out saying, what's the least I can pay, but changed his answer to, what's the most amount of months I can pay it in? Which is a very different Which answer, is a very, like very that. different answer. And the so consumer
1: said, the
2: consumer, yeah. the consumer the asked consumer me, what are the, what are yeah, the most asked. amount of months I can pay in? Huh. And so at that point, the agent can really help them with decision making and nudge them in the right direction. So um, at that point, instead of saying, well, we allow $25 as a, as a minimum payment, we say, you know, if, if you want to pay this off in 12 months, you can pay $135 a month. And this is how much how how much uh, that's going to be in total, and this is the date that you're going to pay it off in. So, in, so once people were able to make a decision based on how many months that they would like to pay it in, uh, this person instead of paying thirty five dollars a month, they paid one hundred thirty five dollars a month.
1: Wow, wow! We actually saw
0: bigger.
2: Because
0: they was that payment? because
1: they didn't want to pay it in twelve months. They wanted to be done with it in three or whatever
0: so
2: so the uh, original study i mean if they were paying 35 dollars a month it would have been something like 36 to 40 months okay. so instead we're able to you know suggest some better decisions that is going to benefit this person in the end because they're not going to be having as much interest or they're and they're going to be able to effectively get this off you know some some negative effects of that could be credit reporting um if they miss a payment so uh with actually a lot longer payment plans, you're going to see more missed payments. So um, that's another benefit. Uh, one of the one of the additions that we did to that once we found that this was successful is really using this technique of uh, social norms. And so if we if we influence people and um, in saying you know a lot of other people do this, uh, and what we did there was we uh, just use language like typically or generally. You know, typically someone might pay hundred thirty five dollars over 12 months or they might pay sixty five dollars over four months whatever the balance would be Um, we have the agents do the math on that and they're they're great at negotiating um, on that side and and the agents really liked it because what it gave them is it it gave it gave them a sense of control because not only not only were they uh, not just getting off the phone and getting those minimum payment after after minimum payment but then all of a sudden, the consumers were treating them like a partner in solving and solving their uh, their problem, Next. instead of someone who's just there to to get something out of them, um, because they would have to ask, "Oh, do you have a calculator?" So that uh, I don't know what that's going to be per month. I mean, mm-hmm. it's something like if it's a if it's like a weird number like thirteen forty two, it might be ninety nine eighty seven a month, and people like those types mm-hmm. of numbers as well. It's been we've we've seen some studies that prove that some some numbers that end in uh 9237 are gonna be actually more real to people yeah
1: interesting yeah are these things nudges
2: the those are just more biases okay so uh a nudge a nudge is what basically leverages biases so that because we understand that people make decisions uh based on emotion based on how they're feeling at that point in time um and so nudges are really are really there to help overcome biases.
0: Tell us a little bit about the results
2: of the study, right? And so, you know, we had to use some technology to track to track obviously um, what agents were speaking. We have a speech analytics program called VoiceTrail, where uh, we can actually track keywords and phrases. So I just I just uh, I just coded in those phrases into the technology and said I want to track these phrases for these groups, right? So we put them into a control and a test group. So the test group was the group that was using those specific talk-offs, and so number one, we saw that obviously they are using the talk-offs a lot more. Like they use it about thirty times in a month or so, and and from that we could see, okay, now we have how many times these agents use these talk-offs versus agents that didn't. Now, what is the what is the average payment or the uh, the revenue generated just by these agents versus control group? And so what we found was that. Agents that were using the talk-offs were actually performing 10% better uh, compared okay. to their compared to their counterparts in the control group. That's amazing. So, furthermore, we found that once we were once we started these types of trainings and people were hearing that it was successful, then others and others in the agency started using these talk-offs without any training at all. Um, kind of like the cocktail party effect. You hear you hear your name at a, at a party, Jeff. And I'm talking about you, and you all of a sudden kind of, you know, oh,
0: yeah. look over. We so we find what
2: we <laughs> want to find, don't we? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, that was really interesting to see. And not only that, but once people started adopting those talk offs, they were performing fifty percent better um, compared to what they compared to the other groups. And so uh, actually, we we did some calculations and found that for each talk off, you know, some people would use a hundred talk offs, some people would use four in a month. Uh, it, it correlated to a 0.16% increase in performance. So if you used 100 talk-offs, you can look at a 16% increase in performance that month.
0: That's really good.
2: So that would be – that really went to show you know, the way that people are speaking and how training and scripting – not necessarily scripting, but giving like key phrases to use and letting, letting agents work around those. Um, really, really was a benefit to them. Now, and then helping them uh, help consumers and patients make decisions.
1: One of the things um, that, you know, they've they got these electric cars that apparently are ready, not electric car, but drive self-driving cars. Mm-hmm. They're ready to go. The reason they're not being released to people is because we're, we are not ready for it. Mm-hmm. So we, I, I'm thinking as we're talking about these nudges, each of all these things that we're doing are nudging us in the direction of this technology right. that's being used. So it's really personally, I think every little nudge we talk about, every mm-hmm. like one click Amazon, it's all nudging us in a direction we don't even know we're going right right
2: absolutely and and at the core of who we are and what behavioral change. Like whatever behavioral change we try to make, it's because we're not ready for it. Right. You know, we want to, we make that New Year's resolution to go to the gym five days a week. We, we want to stop smoking. We want to uh, cut out a lot of our drinking habits or um, a lot of these other habits and vices. It could be, it could be a multitude of things, but um, it comes down to we're not ready for it. And nudges is what is that little motivator, that little catalyst mm-hmm. to get you over that threshold so that you're ready to make a change. And so, um, you know, a lot of what we're seeing, too, is what technology is online, online portals and, and moving, moving things online and uh, getting, getting more patients, especially in healthcare, to be able to uh, self-service mm-hmm. and, and cut down the cost and overhead on the, on the front end of registration and scheduling, make that even a faster process. And so we do a lot of, we're, we're starting some projects ourselves on, on these uh, tracking online behaviors and payment options and what how are people making decisions because we have to lay down the framework and, and uh, find out the structure of really how people are moving through uh, different websites and, and if they're having trouble and, and setting up contingencies to problem solve and to help people make decisions. And so I think that's what we're going to be talking about on our future episodes of our podcast. Um, so we'll leave, we'll leave it at that today. Okay.
0: Well, we look forward for people to join us Absolutely. and discover more how those nudges are impacting healthcare.
2: Thanks for joining
1: us. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share our podcast, Self-Pay Stream.
0: And that share as in S-H-A-R-E, not C-H-E-R.
1: Also, if you have any any questions to send to us, we have an email address. We'd love to hear your feedback or comments. It is selfpaystream, all one word, at haws.group, H-A-W-E-S.group.
2: Thanks for joining us this week, and don't forget to tune in for our next
1: episode.